0: have your Bible's turn to mark chapter 7 I appreciate so much brother Jason's preaching on the storm in mark chapter 6 a week before last and then last Sunday brother Randy Bell what a message on prayer and I hadn't I'm saying that by faith because I hadn't heard all of it because on the plane unfortunately they did not have chargers uh, they should have but they didn't and uh, my iPad went dead so I couldn't I couldn't hear The message, I wanted to hear all of them. And then Brother Jeremy preached three weeks on creation, and that was great, I know, but I was going to listen to all those messages so I could just uh, uh, thank the Lord for the good messages and didn't hear one of them. And so I had to sit there for uh, 33 hours without a message. So I preached to myself and went to sleep. Uh, We had a nine-hour trip, we had eight hours to Cape Town driving and took a two-day vacation And uh, then we had a nine hour trip to the Middle East. uh, And then we had uh, nine more hours of a layover in the airport. And then 15 hours from there, uh, what a route they took all the way through the Antarctica, down through Maine. And so if I I can figure this right, we were about 31 hours getting back, Uh, 31 hours. So, uh, Time does not mean much to me right now, so I'm going to preach about two hours, and uh, uh, y'all are in trouble, I'll just say that. But uh, I don't have to preach with an interrupter. Uh, Brother Mark was telling me, I think he taught Sunday school with an interpreter at uh, Swetow Baptist Church, his son-in-law's church, and it's hard to keep your thoughts when you have to stop every minute and let them say it, and then stop, let them say it. So I don't like to stop, I just like to get with it and preach it. So probably I can preach 45 minutes in about 20 minutes. And then all God's people will say amen. amen." It was a wonderful trip. And I appreciate all of you that filled the pulpit and all of you that were faithful while we was gone. I know that Patricia fell and broke her hip and uh, Brother Howard got shingles and then the Mathises had to say good night to a 32-year-old daughter. And she was at special needs. As the preacher said yesterday, she was specially wrapped in a smile and, and joy. And, you know, what was so wonderful is that she had loving parents that made her Feel normal, amen, and feel like she was just somebody, and that's the way parents ought to be, and I appreciate Dewey and Renee, I'm so glad I could make the funeral yesterday. I want you to pray for them. It's hard, because that was their baby for 32 years, amen. They babied her and had to, and uh, I know they were very, very close, and Dewey and Renee need your prayers very, very much. So that's the valley. I thought about that during the song. Thank you, that song. Sister Kayla was beautiful, and I uh, thought about how they feel today after 32 years of taking care of a baby that uh, the umbilical cord got wrapped around her neck, and she was born with some, some uh, terrible uh, handicaps, but she never, she never let it handicap her, so thank the Lord for the Matthew's pray for. Mark chapter 7, I'm going to preach a message entitled, It's What's Inside That Counts, and the things that defile comes from the heart. Uh, pre- I preached uh, last Wednesday night to the men and my wife taught the ladies at Grace Baptist Church, and I preached on how to keep a clean heart. We had a bunch of men there, and uh, God really blessed. And you know I went to four different churches uh, that our missionaries have started out of this church. You ought to thank God, uh, and every one of them was packed, and everyone was receptive and people were there that were lost. And uh, the newest church I preached there, it was Afrikan. And the, it was the first time the fellow had ever interpreted. His name's Stefan. He's uh, Miss Corley's brother-in-law. Brother-in-law, yeah. I had to look at my wife and make sure I had that relationship. And he was so nervous, I changed my message to the three crosses and just preached a very simple salvation message. And I wondered why nobody responded. And then they said that uh, the next Sunday afternoon, it was a 4 o'clock service, that 10 people came forward. So, you know, sometimes you just plant the seed. And then God gives the increase later on, and to God be the glory, that's the way he works, amen? But that new church was packed out uh, that Brother Kevin started, so they're starting, and then Brother Mark starting a new church near Camp Rhino uh, in March. And so the things are really going good, and I thank God for their labor of love. And I sure appreciated uh, the time I had with my family, because uh, I think it encouraged them that their family would come see them. That's what Miss Amy said over and over, and it was our privilege. Uh, we're going to find a shorter route next time, I promise you, amen? There's, gonna be, there's got to be a shorter route, amen? Never going through the Middle East again, amen? Mark chapter 7. Tonight I'll show slides, and we'll have two special testimonies. One man grabbed me after the men's meeting, had 46 men show up at Camp Rhino for pancakes, and Miss, Miss Amy was in charge of all the cooking. And did a great job. Mom got to help a little bit. And uh, he grabbed me uh, and said, Hey, I got to talk to you. And he just expressed himself so much about his thankfulness that Whitfield Baptist Church sent Kevin Hall to their church. And so he said, I said, Man, that so, that's so, he was so dynamic and thankful. A Scottish man, I think, or English, British. And so I had him record it. And so we're going to show that tonight. It's amazing how thankful he is for Brother Kevin and his family taking Grace Baptist Church, a missionary church. So uh, God's using our missionary endeavors, and I appreciate it so much. Mark chapter 7, let's stay honor of the Word of God. I want to read verses 1 through 23, and I hope I can get through this message. If not, I've got tonight. And uh, I appreciate, uh, as I said, the good message is already preached through Mark chapter 6. It says, Then came together unto the, them Pharisees, and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem, when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with, with defiled, that is to say, with unwashing hands, they found fault. I want you underline that. They found fault. Anybody can find fault. It says, For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. Now when they come to, from the market, except they wash, they eat not, and many other things there be which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots and brazen vessels and tables. And when the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why walk not uh, thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashing hands? He answered and said to them, Well hath Isaiah the prophet of you hypocrites, As it is written, This people honored me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandments of God, ye hold the tradition of men, as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things ye do. And he said to them, Full well you reject the commandments of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whosoever curses father and mother, let him die the death. But ye but say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is Corban, uh, that is to say, a gift by whatever whatsoever thou mightest be profit by me, ye shall be free, and ye suffer him no more to do all for, the, for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered, and many such things do ye. And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. There is nothing from without a man that entereth into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. And if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. hope you'll listen to that. And when he had entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable, And he said to them, Are you not without understanding also? But do you perceive that whatsoever things from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him? Because it enters not into his heart, but into his belly, and goeth out into the draught, purging all meats. And he said, "What That which cometh out of the man that defileth the man. From, From within, out of the heart of men, there's the whole sermon, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulterers, fornication, murderers, thief, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. You may be seated as I pray. Thank you for standing. Father, thank you so much for our visitor from uh, Tampa, Florida that's dropped in to see us. And God, we thank you for every one of our visitors, some that we had not seen in a while. God, please be with those that are sick this morning, maybe listening. I hope that Brother Howard's able to listen. God, please bless him with those shingles and help him with his chemo. And God, with his dear wife, Patricia, God help her to walk again and God be with her. God, thank you for bringing Brother Larry back as he's been in bed for three weeks. And God can't go to that jail and they need him so much in that jail. So Lord, raise him up, heal him, and God give him his health back. God, thank you for the grace of God in the valleys and the storm that's already been sung about. Thank you for this time of worship. God, help us to be real. God, help us to be right. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to see this, some brief verses in between. Uh, In verse 53, it says, when they had passed, or chapter 6 of Mark, and when they had passed um, over, they came into the land of Gennesaret and drew to the shore when they were come out of the ship, straightway they knew him, and it says they ran through the whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick and were hurt, and they heard it was and whethersoever he entered into the villages or the cities or countries, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch if it were but the border of his garments, and as many as touched him were made whole. And so we see right after the great miracle of him walking on the water. On the sea and coming to them and uh, uh, overcoming the storm uh, that they were going through. Uh, we see that many people were laid before him like a field hospital and um, they wanted the healing. But then we see also in John chapter 6, right after this miracle, the Bible says, right after the uh, walking on the water, that he preached a message and all the people got offended and nobody followed him except his disciples. He preached that he was the bread of life. He also preached that you must take his body and his blood and take it within you. In other words, the only way to be saved is through Jesus Christ. That offended them so much that they brought a a league of of inspectors, scribes, Pharisees, down to try to find fault with Jesus. See, he was kicking against the pricks, and uh, they didn't mind bringing the sick to him, but they didn't like his message about salvation. They thought they were the salvation people. They thought that their religion was the way to heaven. They thought it was their works, their tradition, their commandments that uh, was uh, important. And they started trying to find some fault as they traveled 100 miles to do it. Now, folks, you can find a vulture behind, uh, above every dead thing. But I want to tell you something. These vultures, these These scribes, these Pharisees, is like religion. Religion without a relationship is dead. And religion without a relationship is one that tries to get the commandments of man over the commandments of God. I want you to see number one in verse one, the source of criticism. It was a religious source. They were scribes and Pharisees, the Bible says. And they came to Jesus and they tried to find fault in him, and they looked at his disciples after traveling 100 miles and the subject of their criticism was this they didn't wash their hands that was the whole foundation for them uh, trying to turn against Jesus and not receive his message they did not wash their hands now I thought about this when I was preaching but the cleanest bathrooms I've ever seen in my life is in the Middle East they hire people to sit and that's sort of uncomfortable to me there, there are people sitting in every bathroom. I don't know if it was in the ladies' bathroom. I didn't go in there. But, uh, uh, of course. But uh, they, they, they're there to, to be the janitors. And, I mean, they clean everything. And, uh, I mean, one person leaves, they clean everything. And, then, and so I thought it was pretty good. Hey, Amen. I wasn't going to catch any uh, disease, as Brother uh, McNeese preached, that I wouldn't get bacteria. There ain't no, there ain't no hope in those bathrooms. It's cleanest bathrooms I've ever seen. But that's their job, that was their ceremony. But I want to tell you something, this is not hygienic, this is ceremonial. And I want to tell you something, the, the, the uh, scribes and the Pharisees are like religion today. they got a lot of rules, they got a lot of regulations, they got a lot of sacraments, they got a lot of um, motion, but no fire, uh, a lot of smoke, but no fire. And folks, they were just ridiculous in some of the things that they required. In a book called Fences, created um, by the Jews, uh, an example was, looking in a mirror was forbidden... Uh, on the Sabbath day, why? Because you might see a gray hair and pull it out, and that's a work. That's ridiculous, amen. Just color your gray hair. Praise God. But anyway, uh, then and then uh, uh, it was also uh, uh, you also could not wear false teeth. If you if if they fell out, you would have to pick them up. Now, this is actually the law back then. You had to pick them up and thus perform a work on the Sabbath day, and so uh, you you couldn't even wear false teeth. Then here's one if they. Um, you couldn't uh, carry a handkerchief uh, in, on the Sabbath day, but you could wear a handkerchief. And it meant that you were upstairs, you wanted to go take the handkerchief out, that would be a work. And so if it's tied, you just sort of let it fall off into your hands so you can blow your nose downstairs. That's actually what the, the, they did. The rabbis debated about a man with a wooden leg. If, if, if the home caught fire, could he carry his wooden leg out of the house on the Sabbath? Now, folks, I believe that's going a little too far with regulations and rules. Say amen. And, folks, uh, the, the creed of this subject was in verse 3. It says, For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they washed their hands off, eat not, holding tradition of the elders. And, folks, what it was their tradition of the elders was how they washed their hands. They'd actually washed their hands and drip them down, and they had to let the water fall off their wrists. It was a certain ceremony of how to wash it, Then they would take the back of their hands and wipe the other hand. And I want to tell you something, friend. This is all works. This is all tradition. Nowhere in the Bible it says that you have to wash your hands a certain way or that you cannot do certain works on the Sabbath. I don't understand where the seven-day Adventists keep the law and grace and mix it together, but the ceremonial washing was what was offending them. The elders had to find fault. But I want you to see in verse 6 through 13, the silencing of the critics. Christ had a habit of shutting the mouths of his critics. And folks, I want to tell you something. He had good arguments to do it. Say amen right there. And he revealed their true character and their religious creed was against Scripture. Now folks, we've been going through the fundamentals of the faith and Baptist distinctives In Sunday school And I want to tell you something friend Those are Baptist distinctives But it's it's Bible distinctives Amen And if it didn't go by the Bible We wouldn't have them And folks we don't make up rules and regulations around here By man's uh, commandments Or the rituals or tradition Now I believe in being old fashioned And I believe tradition is good If it's biblical tradition If it's New Testament Christianity Can somebody say amen I keep waiting for that interpreter, but he's not there. But anyway, uh, uh, I want you to see how he silenced them. Number one, I want you to see in verse 6, the, pre, uh, the, indicting, uh, the pretense indicted. His, the pretense. Look at verse 6. It says, He answered and said unto them, Elijah the prophet of, uh, prophesied of you hypocrites. He called them hypocrites. Um, as it is written, this people honored me with their lips, but their heart, is far from me. Folks, they talked with their lips, but they did not walk with their heart. They were indeed hypocrites. Now I want to say this, friend, just because you come to church on Sunday doesn't make you holy. You need to walk the walk Monday through Saturday. And if you think you can just turn it on and turn it off and use God as some religious ceremony to get you right or make you feel better that you're here, you got another thought coming. We need to realize that it's daily that we walk in the will of God. It's day by day. And so the pretense was, uh, was uh, in, uh, the indictment against their pretense is that they talked a good talk, but they didn't walk a good walk. Don't ever let your walk or your talk precede your walk. We need to be real and we need to be right. And then the, the piety of indictment. Look at verse 17. How be it in vain do they worship me, teaching the doctrines and commandments of men. And so they were very worshipful. They were very eloquent. They were very dressed up. And they were uh, scribes and Pharisees. They were very traditional. But folks, God, the Lord Jesus Christ, called their worship vain. Utterly worthless. Correct worship involves correct doctrine. Can somebody say amen? If it's not scriptural, it's not spiritual. And so then we see the priorities indicted in verse 8. For laying aside the commandments of God, ye hold the men as the washing of the pots and cups and many other things, uh, such like things ye do. In other words, there was about 3,280 commandments that the Pharisees published for their people. The Jewish religion was a hard religion. It was hard to keep. There was a lot of rules, a lot of regulation, and some of them are still keeping those rules and regulations. But the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen. And there ain't nobody can keep all the rules. And there ain't nobody right enough to get to heaven. And there's not 3,000 commandments to go to heaven. There's not a ladder to heaven. There's a cross. And Jesus Christ took your place. He took your debt. He paid your sin debt. And so teaching the doctrines and commandments of men. Look at that verse 7. It says, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. Teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. You know, I believe Brother Pete got in a little trouble down at the Morningside, uh, uh, I won't call it rest home, convenience center, whatever, And because he's preaching on Baptist distinctives. Well, I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of old folks down there. They ain't Baptists. Never will be Baptists. Some of them are Episcopalian. That's glorified Catholic. And a lot of them are Presbyterians, and some of them got a little mad. And so I told Brother Pete, I said, just tell them it's Baptist, it's Bible distinctive. Amen? Just preach the Bible. And if they argue with that, they'll have to answer to God, and they'll have to argue with God. But it's hard when you're, when you're preaching to a lot of interdenominational people or other denominations or whatever. But, folks, I want to tell you something. Church membership won't get you there. Commandments of men won't get you there. You need to get saved, and you need to trust the blood, that's the only way to have a clean heart. And so it's not a, a hands issue, it's a heart issue. A heart issue. Uh, somebody help me stay awake by saying amen, amen. It's about 7 o'clock my time, p.m. Wait till tonight, it'll be 2 o'clock p.m., amen. I ain't got out of that time zone yet, so y'all better really pray for me tonight, amen. It might be really something. Y'all ought to just come and make sure I don't fall asleep during my own preaching. But the principle indicted, teaching doctrine of the as the commandments of men. Uh, not not uh, anything, and then we see in verse 8, the priority that he indicted. He, he, he puts them in their place. He says, laying aside the commandments of God, you hold the tradition of men, as a washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. Laying aside the commandments of God, you hold tradition of men. In other words, some traditions today have not only the wrong priorities, they have a wrong preference. Look at verse 9. And he said to them, Full well, you reject commandments of God that you may keep your own tradition. I think about the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, they preach in a language where nobody can understand it, Latin, for many years. They have, they have uh, sacraments. They believe that the Lord's Supper turns actually into the body of Christ and that you're saved by taking this, this wafer and this juice because you literally take his blood and the wafer. I led this fellow the Lord uh, uh, in Amy's kitchen. He said, "I'm an apostolic." I said, "What in the world's an apostolic?" He said, "It's where we take the Bible figuratively. Everything's figurative. There's no way all those animals could have gotten in the ark." And I showed him where uh, they could get in that ark. And I said, "Well, I'm gonna tell you something, sir. That you might think everything's figurative, but i want to tell you something. There's a literal hell. There's a literal heaven. And there's either saved or lost. And I want to ask you a question. If you die today, you know you go to heaven." He said, no, sir, I don't know that. Of course, somebody that believes the whole Bible's is figurative, they're not going to know anything. And I want to tell you something, friend. I want to tell you something. It's more than figurative when we take the Lord's Supper. We're pointing back to Calvary, a literal time and a literal place. And, folks, I want to tell you something. The decrees and rules and regulations and putting a man above the congregation as near God and now all those are uh, falling out because they—they're revealing that most of a lot, a lot of them were pedophiles and they were—they were abusing altar boys while they could not marry. That's a commandment of God. That's a commandment of man. The Bible says it's good—it's good to get married. Amen. Uh, the Bible says that it's one man, one woman for a lifetime. It's great to be married. Who in the world made? Hey, listen, I'm, I guarantee, you, I'm glad that the Independent Baptists don't believe that uh, their preachers cannot get married. I'd have missed Miss Connie. I'd have missed having four children. Good night alive. life. Where did that commandment come from? I'll tell you where it came from. Man. Folks, man. It's a doctrine of man. Folks, don't follow man. Follow God. Follow the word of God. How ridiculous. You was brought up in that mark. You understand what I'm talking about. Folks, we must be born again. We must keep his commandments. We just need to go by his word. And folks, everything else is hypocritical go around with all this pomp and circumstance and long robes and kiss my toe and kiss my ring and think that I'm the mediator between you and God, that's a bunch of baloney. They're sinners and they proved it by their sinning. Amen? And I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm getting upset with this religion that deceives people into hell by their commandments of men. You say, well, I don't think you ought to be that unnice. I'm going to tell you something. It's not nice to deceive people into keeping the commandments of men to go to hell because works will send you to hell. But the grace of God will send you to heaven. I can't get over people being saved. That old fellow got saved the first Thursday night. I Preached there. He came back Sunday to the organizational service of sweat. I'll show you the slides tonight. And Brother Jeremy was so nervous. He's always nervous. And I was preaching on that Thursday night. And uh, he's fidgety like I am, and he collapsed right in the middle of my message and folded a plastic chair. The leg just collapsed, and he fell down, and his arms went up in the air, and his feet went up. I'm glad he wasn't a lady. His feet went up in the air. And I'm going to tell you something. I had it all under control. I was just a preaching like, I, and I looked at Kevin Hall, and Kevin Hall just started giggling. And then I looked at Mark, and he lost it. And I looked at Amy, and he lost it. I want to tell you something, that wasn't a traditional service. I want to tell you that. And I just lost it. I just started laughing. We had a laughing revival. And I guess that fellow that came forward said, hey, if they're having this much fun when the pastor falls through a plastic chair, maybe I ought to get saved. <laughs> Amen. He got saved. But he showed up that Sunday, and he wanted to join the church, and he wanted to be a part of the charter signing. And, and uh, uh, Brother uh, Jeremy said, no, you've got to get discipled, and I've got to make sure you're saved. See, we're saved and baptized membership. Say amen. We don't just come in and join the church because we keep the creed or we keep the commandments. We must be born again, amen, and baptized scripturally to be a part of the church. But folks, I want to tell you this. The next Sunday, I'm sitting in the same auditorium waiting to preach at 11 o'clock and listening to something I didn't understand. I don't know how in the world you got through four weeks without understanding anything. I mean, that Cosa clicking clicking, all that stuff. And Jeremy has got it down. He has really got it down. I'm so proud of that hillbilly with a kosa, man. He's just doing a job and preaching with authority and preaching with passion and tears streaming down his face. That's the way you ought to preach, by the way. You ought to have a little emotion about Calvary and not have this dead, liturgical religion. I, 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 I abhor that, just going through the motions. Well, Brother Jeremy's not going through the motions. I was sitting there listening to his Sunday school class, and I think a young man was up to... To read the scriptures and I was fidgeting around getting nervous about preaching and the same thing happened to me the t- the chair collapsed and I mean I hit the floor and Jeremy jumped off the front row come and picked up his pastor and just picked me up real quick and he, p- and he picked me up so quick he about jerk my neck out of place you know <laughs> he says are you all right and I will to tell you something friend I would have said I was all right no matter what he fine just, just go ahead. And the guy that was reading the scripture never stopped reading. And I said, this must have happened before. And it happens about once every month. One of those plastic chairs clips. But I'm going to tell you something. Religion is like that plastic chair. It ain't got a leg to stand on. I'm going to tell you, it ain't got a leg to stand on. Because, folks, if it's not out of this book, it's not spiritual. Folks, if it's not out of this book, it's not even close to right. So he's indicting their preferences, their priorities, saying they're religious and they're worshiping God, and he says, disciples are unclean. We saw them eat. They didn't wash their hands. Well, I want to tell you something. In that situation, they might not have had any water to wash their hands. Amen? They might have been carrying, like my wife does, that antiseptic stuff. Amen? That sanitizer. We use that a lot, but with, with the guy standing over you in the bathroom, you don't need any sanitizer. Amen? He cleans it right after you... Ooh, that's weird. But Anyway, listen. The preference... Was in the indictment. And then I want to see an illustration that he gives in verse 10. It says, For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother. Whoso, uh, whoso, uh, whoso curses father or mother, let him die the death. Pretty important to honor your father and mother. Amen. But you say, If a man shall say to his father or mother, It is Corbin, that is to say, a gift by whatsoever thou mightest to profit by, by me, ye shall be free. And ye suffered him no more do all for his father or his mother. And this is the whole crux. Verse 13. Making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered, and many such like things do ye. I love the wisdom of God, don't you? I love the wisdom of Jesus. He knew that one of their commandments that was really strong was honor their father and mother. But the elders, the Pharisees, come up with this rule that if you everything you had, if you, you'll call it Corban, C-O-R-B-A-N. I don't know what that means, but it must be something. He said that means dedicated to God. You don't have to give a thing to your parents. You don't have to take care of them because it's Corban. It's sanctified. It's God's. They made up that little rule. And he said, I want to tell you something. By making up your rules, the Bible says you, you are making the word of God of none effect through your tradition. And so they must have said, my word. He's got us. Making the word of God none effect through our tradition. We're not even taking care of mom and daddy. We're just calling it Corbin. And I want to tell you something, friend. You see that uh, the same things happen today. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. How dare anybody kick the scriptures out of school? How dare the state rule out God in the courtroom? That is, that, they're saying... My commandments are over God's commandments. But I want to tell you something. When our nation was strong, and when our nation was gracious, and when our nation was right and holy, I want to tell you something. God's word ruled. Why did the United States of America become the United States of America? For religious freedom. It was good enough back then. It ought to be good enough today. And I want to tell you something, friend. We have said no We're going to run the schools and we're going to run the government and we're going to do it with the laws of men over the laws of God. And I believe it's hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. It's a pretense. We cannot make it without God. President Trump cannot make it without God. The legislation cannot make it without God. The senators cannot make it without God. Your home cannot make it without God. You just try to build a marriage without God's hand on it. And you'll see what happens. Divorce is a terrible trauma, especially on children. And so, folks, listen, we try to go by our rules, our regulations, man's books, man's philosophy. But I want to tell you something. What overrules all that is God's word. God's word is right. God's word will never be wrong. And God's word is what we ought to live by. Then we see all this explained. Aren't you glad he's got a good argument? He puts them in their place, but then he gives them some teaching. And that's our God. Verse 14, he begins to teach. He says, when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. And so first of all, I see the priority of instruction. Christ is saying, hearken unto me. He's calling the people to hear. I want to say this, friend. You need Sunday school. You need Bible study. That old boy got saved. Farmer, owns a big farm next door. He said, Mark, when's Bible study? Sign me up. Right after he got saved. I was so thrilled. I said, praise God. You don't know if people mean it. You don't know if they're intimidated by Americans. and just doing what an American says. But he said, I need Bible study amen. and and Mark said anytime you want it he said no no sir no no please he had that British accent so so neat I tried to speak that I sit next to a guy on the plane he said I want to give you two words of advice speak slower and speak in a British tone I said sir you talking to a hillbilly I got <laughs> I'll, I'll depend on the interpreter say amen and uh, he said, No, you got it. I don't understand the words you say. And I said, Well, I don't understand the words you say. We had a great conversation. We didn't understand the word <laughs> each other <to> said. <laughs> I, I think he was an athlete, and he was going to fly from Cape Town to Port Elizabeth. But I told him, I said, Well, I'm going to preach. And I, we're organizing Sweat Baptist Badby Church. He said, well, I'm going to give you two words of I. Slow up and speak a British accent. I said, Okay, I will try my best to do that. And. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It didn't work, but anyway, listen. But God's word worked. Say amen right there. God's word got across. If any of those got saved, God's word is a power. Not our British accent or our hillbilly accent. It's God's word. But I see, folks, the calling of the people. I want to tell you something. You're called. You're called unto him first. You're called to be with him before your witnesses. And, folks, I want to tell you something. Sunday school is important, but your Bible study daily is important. And I want to tell you something, the sign of a person being born again, all of a sudden he says, I, gotta need, I need more. I got to learn something. I have problems with people get saved and they never come back to church. I have problems with people that said they've been saved 48 years and never come to church. But I want to say this, friend. When you come to church, you ought to listen. Amen. It's a matter of life or death. Because here's the charge in verse 14. And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. I like that. Look at verse 16. He's about to preach against sin, so better hold on. He said, If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. I'm going to say this. This is a matter of life or death. I'll just be honest with you. It's it's more important than you driving through Atlanta how you listen. I almost went to sleep, almost went to sleep. And thank God, there was a varsity that I stopped at, got two chili dogs, french fries, onion rings, and two PC's. That's, that's chocolate milk, amen. Had, then I went back and got me another Diet Coke, amen. I want to tell you something, that caffeine saved the day. But I had to stay awake. You ever drove when you was sleepy? I mean, I've been awake for 33 hours trying to sleep next to a guy that was bigger than me. And the seats were this, this, this narrow, amen. Oh, my. Thank God I had a emergency aisle, I just stretched out. I tripped up three people going to the bathroom. But I will say this. I want to say this. It's a matter of life or death how you listen. Amen. And I preach a lot of times you fall slap asleep. I want to tell you, you don't, you don't fall asleep when you're driving. Right. Slap yourself. Get a fireball and put it in your mouth, amen. That's what Hayward Duke said he did when he got sleepy on deputation. He got a fireball and put it in his jaw. Just started sucking it. Stayed awake. It matter of life or death. But some people come days ago, had, I mean, just come to leave and uh, bless me if you can, preacher. Never open the Bible. Never listen. Never save me, and never encourage the preacher. He's battling hell and the devil and all the demons of hell when he's trying to preach, and you're sitting there acting like you don't even care. That's not what Jesus said. He said, "Come, call, come here, come here. I'm going to instruct you, Pharisees." but he's also instructing his disciples. And he said, listen, listen, take it to heart. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. I appreciate good listeners. Uh, My son, Jason, one of the best listeners I've ever ever preached to. He's always leaning forward. That's so he won't go to sleep. But anyway, uh, to to listen. And I appreciate that. It encourages me. He's not a big amen, or he don't shout, he don't jump pews. He can't keep up with Miss. Uh, Jackie up here, but praise God. He's listening. He's acting like he's interested. Say amen. I'm only kidding with you, sister. I don't want to throw no cold water on nobody that's enthused about God. Help yourself. Just just make it real every time. But here's the principle and instruction. Verse 15. I love this. I love it. There is nothing from without a man. He's rebuking these hand washers. There's nothing from without a man that enters into him that can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile a man. You know what he's getting down to? The heart of the matter. Amen. You can be religious and lost. Say amen. You can look the part and be lost. You can be a deacon in this church and lost. You can be a preacher in this church. You can be a Sunday school teacher. Amen, Brother Darrell. And be lost. You can be a song leader, Brother Randy, and be lost. You can go through the form. You don't mean to be hypocritical, but you think you're saved and you're not saved. How do you know that you're saved? You have a change of heart. You have a new appetite. You have a new want to. And I want to tell you another thing is, your heart is grieved when you sin. Sure sign that you're saved is sin bothers you. Come on, say amen. You can live like you want to. You're not saved. You never have been saved, never... And listen, you need to be saved because I'm going to tell you something. If you're saved, there's a Holy Spirit inside of you that convicts you of sin, righteousness, and of judgment. Aren't you glad it's a spiritual awakening? It's a spiritual new birth. Amen or y'all there, praise God. Glad you're here. It's a heart of man that causes defilement. A clean heart is needed to be clean spiritually. Pharisees, scribes, what are you talking about washing hands? You need to have your heart washed. That's what he's saying. You can join every Baptist church in this town and still bust hell wide open. You know your heart. You know if you're saved. You know what's in your heart. Do you have a heart to be here this morning, or did somebody make you come? Mama said, You better come. Why? That's a good mode. You're not going to eat till you come. My, my mother would never cook Lunch if Daddy skipped church, and I got hungry a lot. No, he and boy, no. Listen, that alcoholic showed up at church every Sunday morning because he knew Mama wasn't gonna cook, and Mama was gonna give him a hard time. And she came, and thank God he got saved, and he's in heaven today. Thank God he's in heaven. But he came a lot of times drinking all week and reading his courtly Sunday school courtly. That's what we called him the Southern Baptist, courtly. And he wouldn't listen to the preacher because he was too busy trying to not listen. But he, God came into his heart. Amen. And therefore, if any man be in Christ, is a new creature, old things pass away, well, all things become new. And folks, listen. We see the source of the inquiry in verse 17. It says, And when he had entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he said unto them, are you also without understanding also? Are you like these scribes and Pharisees, boys? He says, Do you not perceive that whatsoever things from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him? Because he entereth not into his heart, but into his belly, and goeth out to the drawled, and purges all his meat. And he said, That which cometh out of man, that defileth the man. And so he scolds them and says, Listen, you must have a hangover, disciples, from Judaism. You ain't got it. It's not by works. It's not by religion. It's not by ritual. It's by being saved, regenerated. So he begins to preach to his own disciples. And in verse 20 he says, The source of sin is the heart. And that's why the Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, Guard your heart. Keep your heart for out of the issues of life. And then we see not only the, the source of defilement, I want you to know, he sees the start of the defilement. And that is that it's the thoughts. Look at verse 17. And when he had entered into the house, his disciples asked him concerning the parable, and he said to them, Are you not without understanding? Do you not perceive? Think, 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 think. That whosoever, whatsoever things from without entereth not in the man. And he goes on to say, it goes through the man and purged. And he said, That which cometh out of the man that defileth the man, but from within... Out of the heart of men proceeds evil. What's the next word? Thoughts. Thank you for staying with me. Thoughts. Adulterers, fornication, murderers. So the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7. The Bible says in Isaiah 26, verse 3, it says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. So let me define what the Bible means when it says heart. Heart is not this pump. It's really a bad thing to say, would you invite Jesus into your heart, children? It's more than in the heart. That's a pump. That pump is your body. That's not the heart. The heart is the mind, the will, and the emotion. It's the soul part of you. When you get saved, you invite Jesus into your heart, not into the pump that's good for about 70 plus years. Unless you have a replacement vow. <laughs> Amen. Or a rotor rooter job. Praise God. That's what we need back here. That's not what it says. Heart. Heart, as a man thinketh in his heart, you don't think with your heart, you think with your mind. So the biblical heart is mind, will, and emotions. It's all of you. When you get saved, you give your mind, your will, and your emotions to God. And folks, when you backslide, you give your mind to the devil. And out of the issues of the heart, look at real quick Matthew 12. Matthew 12. It's time for me to quit. It just seems like just a second I started preaching. Look at this, Matthew 12. I've been through the twilight zone. Matthew 12, 34 through 35. I hope I have it. It says, O generation of vipers. That's pretty blunt. Some people can't take preaching against sin. But I want to tell you something, Jesus preached against sin. He's about to list about nine of them. But he said, Oh, generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Don't ever say, well, I said that, but I didn't mean it. Yes, you did. It came straight from your heart. But look at verse 35. A good man, out of the good treasures of his heart, bringeth forth good things. And out of the evil man, out of the evil treasures, bringeth forth evil things. Folks, the heart is your source of problems. But the Bible says in Ezekiel 36, verse 26, that God will give you a new spirit and a new heart. And so we see the start of defilement is the thoughts, the words. It reveals an evil heart. And then I want you to see the sins of defilement in verse 21 through 23, and I'll close. Just give me about five more minutes. We'll all go home and take a nap. But look at this, Mark chapter 7, and I want you to see Jesus preached and named sin. A lot of people don't do that in religion. They won't do it. They won't ever offend a sinner. Folks, I'm glad I got offended and realized I was a sinner. That's called conviction. Amen? We're not here for some religious pep talk. We're here for preaching. And sometimes preaching labels our sin, and it goes straight to the heart, and we repent. That's the best thing that can happen to you. Look at it. He said in verse 21, He says, for from within out of the heart of men proceedeth evil thoughts. And right after evil thoughts, he says, adulterers. Adulteries. What is adultery? Well, that's illicit sexual activity by a married person. Folks, it's sin. It always has been sin, always will be sin. The world tries to excuse it as a change of life, tries to excuse it as a Hollywood tradition. Then fornication. That word translated. From the Greek word porneia. That's where we get the word pornography from. Folks, I want to tell you something. It's any illicit sexual activity. The origin of sexual sin is not the body. It's the heart. Y'all watch what you put in your heart, men and ladies. Garbage in, garbage out. I want to tell you something. If your husband's in pornography, you got problems, dear ma'am. Because he's going to compare you to something you can never measure up to. He needs to clean his life up, get the right magazines, the right computer programs, the right entertainment. He needs to get out of that smut. He needs to get out of that pornea, that of fornication in his heart. And because, folks, I'm going to tell you something, it's never satisfied until it's lived out. The danger of pornea, the danger of fornication. And then he goes on to say murderers. And then thieves, covetousness, wickedness, that's deliberate acts of meanness. He says deceit, that's the idea of someone trying to work undercover to bring someone else down. Sneaky, deceptive people, it comes from the heart. He goes on to say lasciviousness, that's unrestrained, shameless behavior. Folks, if there's not that rampant in the United States of America, what is going on? Lasciviousness. I will do as I please and I do not care what anyone thinks about me. That's the attitude today. You watched a movie lately? Hey, have you watched your favorite TV program lately? It's always two men showing up married. It's always two men dating. It's a good program, has a good good theme and all of a sudden they got to bring their agenda in. Come on, you've noticed it. You've noticed it. You hadn't changed the channel yet, but you've noticed it. I mean, the good doctor's not so good now. Cute program, but they bring in homosexuality. So, perversion in same-sex marriages. And folks, we sit there and say, Oh, this is great. We'll put it on my calendar watching next Monday. Folks, that's saying, I will do as I please, and I don't care what anybody thinks. And it's also Hollywood saying you're going to do what I please because I'm going to program you to accept it. Amen. I'll tell you what, this is not going over too good as uh, a popular homecoming message, but I want to say something, this will help you. And I'm going to preach the Word of God verse by verse, chapter by chapter, no matter what it says, because it'll help me. Lasciviousness, An evil eye. You know what that is? Jealousy and pride. Blasphemy. Cursing falls in that category, but defiling speech Directed at either God or man. Gossip. Then it goes on to say pride. A boasting, exalting of oneself. That's the opposite of humility. Then it finishes with this sin. Foolishness. The word literally means morally and spiritually desynthesized, Not sensitive. No spiritual illumination. No spiritual discernment. They don't know God and they don't care to know. That's a, that's a terrible sin The fool has said in his heart There is no God All this comes from the heart So what is Jesus saying Pharisees Hypocrites Religionists Stop worrying about the outward And get your heart right What he ought to said to those guys and I ain't going to say what Jesus ought to said. He said He's going to say it in a minute Get saved Because the only hope for a heart is to be washed not in outward water, but the blood of Jesus. To be real, to be right with God is to fill your heart with the scripture and to fill your heart with the spirit. Anything else is surface. Don't be just religious. Religious people are miserable because they never can measure up. And religious people go to hell. But a person with a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is going to heaven. I'm glad Jesus put the scribes and the Pharisees in their place. But he didn't just put them in their place. He placed himself as the only hope for their heart. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for this chapter, been pungent, been right, been real, to make us right and to make us real. And God, is, He said, listen, I believe He meant listen. And folks, listen, oh God, help us to listen, help us to be attentive, enthusiastic, on the edge of our seat, have our heart open, not preoccupied. Not come to leave, but God to come to leave to be more like you and have a relationship with a living God. God delivers from religion. Just because somebody joins a Baptist church won't get them saved. Just because I baptize them won't save them. They must be washed in the water of the Word and the blood of Jesus. So Lord, help us to realize where all these terrible sins come from, the heart. And God, help us not to get our priorities wrong, our preferences wrong, our religion wrong, and base it on the commandment of men instead of the commandment of God. Lord, I pray that over these 41 years, over 7,000 sermons I preach behind a pulpit in this church, that people will realize that it's the word of God that has authority, not me. It's the word of God. That's the commandments of God. Not man or not Baptist, but God. But Lord, I'm glad I belong to a church that believes the Bible. And believes that the Bible can wash us. and Cleanse us. We can be presented a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. God help us to be sanctified in our hearts. God help us to Prioritize our whole life around hearing and heeding the word of God.